Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. This episode of the Managing Madrid podcast is brought to you by Blossom Hotel in Houston. Blossom Hotel's serene rooms are the perfect respite from the bustle of the surrounding city. At this pet-friendly property, you'll enjoy some of Houston's most luxurious and well-appointed accommodations, 267 beautifully designed and light-fitted guest rooms and suites, each punctuated by premium finishes and fabrics, plus rich colors and textures. Listeners, if you're planning on going to Real Madrid's preseason game on July 26th versus Manchester United in Houston, make sure to book your stay at Blossom Hotel. Not only because it's in Houston and it's a great location, but also because they are hosting our podcast, which is happening in Houston. The Managing Madrid podcast, of course, is following Real Madrid around preseason on the West Coast. We're going to Los Angeles, Houston, and Dallas. We have not yet released details for the uh, Dallas and L.A. podcasts yet, although we're working on it. But Houston is confirmed. That's on July 27th at 7 p.m. So book your spot at uh, – book your stay, rather, with Blossom Hotel. And then also make sure to book your spot at the podcast by clicking the link in the show notes. And do it before July 1st, before prices go up, please. Uh, coming up is a segment taken from last week's Managing Madrid mailbag that went up exclusively over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. I know it's a little bit delayed to post that now on Tuesday, given that the mailbag was last week, but uh, it's been a busy weekend. And uh, just wanted to give you guys a piece of content, a slice of the pie from that episode. This one is about... Um, some his- history stuff, Cruz and Chabi, and the differentiating factor between those two when they played the number six role at Real Madrid, um, and also some impressive things from Bellingham's very impressive uh, press conference, which was fresh in our minds when we recorded the podcast. Today um, was Jose Lu's presentation. All of those Jose Lu quote- quotes and everything you need to know from that press conference are up on our website. Also, this morning, I wrote about... Uh, whether or not Real Madrid will sign another striker, whether or not I thought Florentino Perez was telling the truth about 
when he said no to that fan in that video, which the entire fan base, I think, got a little bit too carried away with. Uh, so I wrote about whether or not he was telling the truth when he said no more signings. That's on the website. Also on managingmajor.com, in addition to just constant, timely news, you'll also find Yash Thakur's visual analysis on Jude Bellingham entitled Jude Bellingham, a Galactico Baller at Madrid. I think you'll enjoy that one as well. Uh, a lot of great visuals and analytics in that one. Uh, okay, I think that's it for me. Uh, enjoy today's free clip. And we do have more content this week, including some special guests on the podcast. So thanks for tuning in, and let's get to today's clip. I'm going to take a question from Nathan Hermes on Patreon. He says, Gear, Keon, and Lucas, double-sided question here. From a Real Madrid perspective, do you think this new Champions League format benefits or hinders Real Madrid's chances of winning the trophy? That's part one of this question. I'll tell you what, um, I've seen the new format like explained a few times, twice or, or three times in, in recent months. I still have no idea how it works, man. It's so confusing that I have no idea how it works. It's still in no effect uh, this upcoming season, right? No, it starts tw- the 2024-2025 season. All right. So you tackle yeah. this one if you have any knowledge of uh, of the whole system because I I honestly have no idea how it works just yet. I have it down. Um, ultimately, I think it, it actually may not benefit Real Madrid, but it remains, remains to be seen. So here's how it works. It increases to 36 teams from 32. Everything from the round of 16 on to the final is the same as it always has been. So you get the two legs, round of 16, two legs, quarterfinals, two legs, semifinals, and then one final. That's all the same. So there's more teams. Um, and From which country? Sorry for the interruption. It's It depends every year based on, I think, the the uh, the coefficient yeah, in the season from the previous year. Right. So it'll change year to year who those extra four slots go to. All right. Uh, we're just basically replacing the group stages with a league. So all 36 teams go into one single league instead of a group stage. Uh-huh. And the top eight teams from the league automatically qualify for the knockouts. Seeds 9 to 24 go into um, a playoff to <laughs> to decide who makes it to the knockout rounds. And then the rest so from 25 to 36 are just straight up eliminated. Kind of similar out. to the EuroLeague then, to the basketball EuroLeague. It's pretty similar, I think. Sounds like it. Although oh, I have to assume that the those teams, one, one to eight, uh, who advance automatically, they are also the... Um, the seeded teams for the round of sixteen, I guess, right? You mean the ones with uh, yeah, the home, home field? the home field, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. All right, and the matchups f- uh, from nine to twenty-four. How are yeah. how are those decided? So nine versus twenty-four. Nine, 10 twenty-four. Okay, a snake. Okay, etc. Yeah. Okay. Um. So here's why I think it may not benefit Real Madrid. It's because we suck in league stuff, <laughs> league <laughs> things. We actually, I mean, we even we we even suck at group stages in general. Like you and I had that segment last week where we were talking about how we 
have so many big losses in the group stages, but then we can still win the Champions League even in those same years. So I wonder if like there's scenarios where we like I don't think I think it would be really crazy to fall out of the top eight. I mean that would be shocking to me if we, if that happened. But hold on, I have one more question. Mm -hmm. I assume we don't play thirty five matches. No, in that league. So how uh, does that work? Uh, I have that here somewhere. One sec. Um, in the Euroleague, I think that the, the, this league phase is divided into two groups. Right. This one is not. It's one big group. So there's eight matches per team. Huh? Half of those will be at home. Half of those will be away. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm not entirely clear on... How it's decided who plays who. Uh, that's like huge. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's uh, I'm that's sure it'll relevant be, for sure. It will, yeah. it will be related to coefficients and seeding. Something and, and like pots that. And yeah. things like that. Yeah. How they yeah. decide it. But, yeah. 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 No. I mean, you're, that's the big difference between like this and an NBA like season long league is that you don't, in the NBA, you play each team at least twice. This exactly. one, you don't, you don't even play everyone. Strange, yeah. It's a strange format, to be honest. I don't know why they had felt the need to change it. <laughs> Me neither. I mean, the I whole Euro League thing of having a league first and all that seems kind of fine, but there aren't many teams. I like you play those teams twice because the it's divided into two groups, I believe. But uh, you know, as long as this coefficient thing gets to decide. Whether or not Real Madrid face Manchester City or these powerhouse uh, clubs in the in the league phase, I'm not a big fan of. So yeah, it will ultimately it could ultimately come down to this uh, random thing deciding which teams you're facing in this league phase, and that also could play a huge factor in the league comp in the domestic league competition. So yeah, I'm not a not a fan of of what you just uh, explained. If I'm being honest, and uh, again, in in terms of Real Madrid's uh, odds of this system being better for them, I'm not entirely sure either. Uh, the other thing that is different about this model is that you can play teams from the same country as early as the round of 16, which okay. I think right now it's quarterfinals and on, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know why Seferin did this, but anyway, yeah, it's not, it's not ideal for Real Madrid because they tend to um, approach these league phases in a not ideal way. So uh, we'll see. It will depend a lot on on the teams you actually get to face and match up with in the in this league phase. If if all of a sudden you're facing two or three tough teams, and and then other teams get an easier draw, even though they are probably even smaller or or, or just worse teams than you, you could be you could have a hard time. So and again, huge effect in the domestic competition as well. So. Not a big fan. Yeah. Um I'd have to I I I think this 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 entire discussion is interesting 
And I tend to agree with you. I didn't see the need to change it. I, I yeah. think what the current format generally worked. Um, I don't think it was perfect, but I don't know if turning it into this is right. the solution either. But I think this is a fascinating, evolving discussion. I think we'll see the the good side of it and the flaws after we've gone through like a season or two and we've actually seen it and see if it was worth the change or not. My initial reaction is that I don't think it needed to change into this at all. It's it's all right. uh it's just more games on the calendar and it's a system that wasn't really needed to be changed. That's it. All right. I agree. Um the explanation was this is the quote from Seferin, which is nonsense. So didn't <laughs> take it for what you will, but he says, quote, we are convinced that the format chosen strikes the right balance and that it will improve the competitive balance and generate solid revenues that can be distributed to clubs, leagues, into grassroots football across our continent. Yeah, I'm sure they care so much about grassroots football. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, well that, that's the answer there too. More games, more money for them. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Right. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll revisit this question. I'm sure we have a lot of time for it. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Rishi has a question. I wasn't going to take this question, but it was endorsed by like 10 fire emoji reactions. So I felt peer pressured. <laughs> Rishi says, hey, Keanu Lucas, I hope you and your families are doing great. One question. Who do you think amongst our squad are the best looking guys? A top three, maybe? Justine Kamavinga did a model catwalk at a Balenciaga show. So that's where this has come from. Kamavinga is an easy shout, I'm guessing, right? Uh, I really think so. He's like, he has this elegance. You know, you can definitely see that kind of elegance, that aura <laughs> around him that makes him a, a really good shout, in my opinion. Other than that, Asensio, I think, was very popular among women, among girls. Obviously, he's gone now. Not sure. Like, Kamavinga is my easy, my easy pick. What about you? The... The three that came to my mind immediately were Nacho, Kamavinga, Nacho, yeah. good. Na Nacho Kamavinga, and Bellingham. Nacho is uh, a good shout, yeah. Yeah, I ax I actually asked this question to two of my best female friends. I said, "Hey, I have to answer this on the podcast. What do you got?" So they came back to me with a list of five players: Nacho, Lucas Vasquez, Vasquez, yeah, Kamavinga. 
or sorry, I don't, I don't, Camavinga, I don't know if actually was in that list. It was Nacho, Ceballos, Vasquez, Bellingham, and Militao. Wow, I would have never guessed Ceballos, Militao, and Vasquez there, man. We all got our different tastes. <laughs> We're all beautiful so. in our own way. Like, I would have easily picked Cross ahead of Vasquez, for example. You know, he has this gentleman, I don't know, Asensio, not Asensio, sorry, Alonso was the easy pick a decade ago, I think. There are no wrong answers, Lucas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. We all have our tastes. Coach Gonzo says, thanks, you guys, for all your hard work. I appreciate the blend of information and entertainment. My question is, what is the difference between Tony Cruz and Chabi Alonso as it specifically relates to playing the defensive midfielder position? Both are otherworldly passers. Both have an elite level of understanding and vision. Neither are particularly fast. Why do we feel better, safer with Chabi Alonso at the six than we do with Cruz there? Side note, Chabi Alonso is my all-time favorite player and one of the reasons I became Maradista. I am dreaming of the day he becomes our manager. It was just better than than cross defensively. It's as, it's that simple position from a positional standpoint. Also, you know, his tackles were were good. He wasn't fast for sure, but he was a strong player when when tackling. Obviously, because of his time in in Liverpool, where he had to learn that uh, that skill under under Benitez, and you know that that skill is particularly important in the in the Premier League, which is also why Modric got to be a reliable and, and a decent and, and even de- even more than decent solid defensive uh, player, uh, even though he played as a central midfielder. So maybe Cross never had the the need to learn these skills because his career never required him to to do so had he been in the premier league for three four years earlier in his career he probably could have developed similar skill set than the one xavi alonso had uh, later in his career when when he wasn't as fast as he was in during his liverpool years he probably could have developed into that kind of defensive presence but he just isn't xavi alonso was a better defensive player because of that uh, learning experience in Liverpool, he was a very reliable defensive presence, both from a positional standpoint and also when when he decided to go to the ground and tackle, he was very physical and and good. Yeah, I mean, they're it's funny because they're actually so similar in so many ways. I mean, neither of them really are that mobile. Although I'd say Cruz is slightly more mobile than Xabi Alonso. Cruz, I think, is actually underrated in his dribbling. You know, I've said this many times in the past. He's not like a a player who's going to take on players like a Vinicius Jr. Not that kind of dribbling, but the press evasion. And also, like, when he played a little bit higher up the pitch with Germany, for example, in the 2010 World Cup, you know, ahead of Schweinsteiger and Hedera, he was, you know, dribbling past players in like a, almost a 10 role and playing these passes into the box really well. So he, you know, when he was younger, I thought, and even still, like, if he has to, Joel passed two, three players to escape pressure. He'll do that. He's, I think he's underrated in his dribbling in that sense. Right. Um, but both probably two of the great, I mean, inarguably two of the greatest passers in football history. Absolutely. They're long range passing. Both is incredible. I mean, like if you, you know, I could watch a, a two hour compilation of Chabi Alonso long range, like over 50 yards. His passes like a quarterback were incredible. Um, I but I think the d- defensive midfielder bit is that 
simply put, Chabi Alonso was more comfortable as the single pivot uh, from a defensive standpoint. And that's what it comes down to. Great yeah. tackler, but his positioning also was, was you know, Spot he was on. just better. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he just it's just a matter of him having to develop the, that skill set. And Cross never had to you know, and never developed. But had he had the need to do so, I think he could have developed easily into a very similar profile to Alonso in a, in, a, in the defensive side of things. Shame we never got to see them play together. Right, correct. Would have been, <laughs> yeah, maybe a bit redundant even, offensively at least. Well, if, you know, we, we missed out on this, but if Shabby doesn't decide to Go leave to Bayern. for Bayern at that last minute, because it was it was a last minute, you really think. Yeah, yeah. Um, we would have had... Cross Modric Alonso, yeah. Wow. would have been really cool to see. Unreal, yeah. Mowgli says, and the context of this question is that Sid last week said on the podcast that he thinks uh, coming out and publicly saying that Zidane is his like idol or whatever it was a marketing stunt for Real Madrid to, to love him and Real Madrid fans to love him. Uh, Mowgli's... Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I know. Mowgli says, does Bellingham taking the number five dismantle Sid's conspiracy theory that Jude only mentions Zidane as the best player of all time for marketing purposes to endear himself to Maridisas? This is a rhetorical question emoji. Did he say Zidane is the best player of all time? I don't or know his if he favorite. actually said that. Uh, I think that might be a misquote. Yeah, because he's just wrong if he says Zidane is the best player of all time. Bellingham is... But, uh, I mean, Bellingham, yeah, he was born, but he wasn't conscious to, 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 to experience the Zidane years in Madrid. He obviously probably watched the highlights and grew up admiring him and all that. So I get it. I get Sid's point. But on the other hand, I can see why Bellingham would admire a player like Zidane growing up as an attacking midfielder and all that. So I don't think it was a marketing uh, a marketing thing. Uh, on that note, I mean, we didn't do a podcast uh, after the Bellingham press conference. Mm -hmm. I was really impressed with the way he carried himself, his answers, but also his composure, his confidence. Uh, and the, the the way he responded to questions, the way he was respectful but thoughtful, charismatic, very impressed. And the Zidane point I thought was a really – also just because this is directly related to what is being asked, his quote about Zidane was also very good because it wasn't like I'm taking the number five because I'm the next number five. It was like I really like Zidane. I'm not on his level. I just this is just as a way to tribute him and honor him. I'm honored to have this number. Um, Thanking Vallejo as well for yeah, for letting him wear great. the number. Yeah, Bellingham was brilliant during the press uh, during the press conference. You can definitely see he has uh, good culture, good uh, education from his parents because they've done a, a brilliant job. It's not easy to find a 19-year-old as polite, calm, and mature as, as Bellingham was during during his press conference. It was it was brilliant. And One... thoughtful also because there's, like, for example, Camavinga was as young as Bellingham is during his uh, press conference. 
Mm-hmm. And he was definitely very polite and, and mature and all that. But Bellingham was a bit more thoughtful, you know, than maybe not as shy. Bellingham was comfortable, I could see, in front of the mic. So brilliant, brilliant stuff. Well, excuse me. Um, too many also was very impressive last season, if you remember. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things... Uh, one of the themes from that press conference was, and it has been a theme for the press conferences in general. This is, goes with back to Brahim's presentation as well. The questions that are being asked to the players oh, yeah. about Mbappe. Wow. I don't know what can be done about this. It's really embarrassing, but I think the hardest thing is that I don't think these journalists who are asking the questions have shame. You know what, Kijan? What, what makes me and what drives me mad is that four months from now, when we sit in in a press conference room for El Clásico or for a Champions League game and all that, these journalists asking the, these questions now will be given another opportunity to ask Ancelotti about uh, about the game instead of you know having thoughtful uh, questions like the ones we would be delivering. Uh, so that's what actually drives me mad, yeah, about the whole situation. Like they will, will keep getting this, the mic. Yeah. I did feel like a little bit of a shift this year. Uh with you know, even our ability to ask questions, that changed this year quite a bit. And heading into a better trajectory. I just but I don't know what can be done about these questions because they're not gonna you can't take away their right to ask questions. And I don't think they care enough, like from a reputation standpoint, to do better. Right. So I don't no. know if anything can be done. To be quite honest with you. Yeah, it's tough. But it's a, it's a, it's a pain point for me. But what I did enjoy was that, um, I enjoyed that fans reacted appropriately. Yeah. Because you also saw, I said this on Twitter, you see the yin and the yang with journalism right now. It's like, there was that question about Mbappe and then the next question or something, or one of the next questions was the Sid Lowe question. So you can kind of, like, when you see these things in the same context, of you can, people can actually look at that and be like, okay, well, this is night and day difference, you know? And I think, Fans are starting to recognize that. I think like, you know, five, 10 years ago, Lucas, we didn't mm-hmm. have this kind of reaction to these questions on a massive scale that, you know, because for years and years and years, you know, especially if you go back decades, you know, when we were kids and before we were born, there was no accountability. There was only Spanish media attending. There was a Spanish newspapers. These press conferences weren't even live on television. It's changing now a little bit. That's just baby steps, but I'm kind of glad we had the reaction we did. I don't know if that changes how... Um, I mean, we know the media outlet that was asking the questions for <laughs> both Brahim and for, for Bellingham. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like it, it, And I don't knew... Like, I'll be really honest with you. Like, I don't know how much of them is down to their individual decision-making to ask that question, how much of that is being relayed by their employers. I will say both of those men who asked those questions and against uh for sorry, both of those men who asked those questions to Brahim and Bellingham respectively are nice people that I always um just briefly like have just very brief conversations with when I see them. You know, very respectful people. And I don't 
but I don't know like how much of that is down to them or it's their employers saying, yeah. Hey, you have to ask these questions. Right. Right. But either way, I'm at least at the very least, I'm glad there was some kind of awareness and uh, outrage at the questions. Yeah. Agreed. As there was after they were asked. Uh, Sports Social Podcast Network. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.